All right. What's up, y'all? Um, this is very exciting for me today. I have one of my favorite people on here, Emily Blunt, who is in Oxford, Mississippi, at St. Leo and St. Leo Lounge. And uh, she's been on the podcast a few times. We've talked uh, a lot over the years, and I've, I've gotten to know Emily and just have a lot of respect for her and admire what she's done and uh, a busy lady. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this today, Emily. Thank you. Thank you. Always happy to talk. Um, miss you when we don't for a while. <laughs> so yeah. Good to be back at it. And actually, you'll appreciate this. I have two computers up right now. Um, and when I was waiting to get on, I was literally checking my time off request reports on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I have it up. I have it up right there. I don't know. I don't know. Yep. Well, you probably can't see that, but I got oh, my yeah. fly up. Uh, it's an awesome tool. Use it every day. Oh, that's so nice of you. That was not a. No, it really wasn't planned, but I really was. I really was checking those reports. Well, so. I'm, okay. Well, actually, that's an interesting thing. Um, we don't have to get into schedule fly, but we could. I would like to know. Are you having to deal with a lot more of that now, the time off request and last minute, like somebody's been exposed to somebody with COVID or what's going on down there in Oxford with all this stuff? You know, thankfully, we've been um, pretty good on an employee front um, with COVID. We have had a few people who have either been exposed or had it, but luckily, um, and I'm knocking on wood right now, uh, nobody has, who has contracted it has been in the restaurant at the time, um, or, you know, they found out beforehand. So we haven't dealt with anything that's spread through our staff. Okay. Um, but, you know, in the, I think the bigger thing is, um, which I'm surprised about is that staffing in general is a lot harder right now. I, um, anticipated after we reopened, we, so we reopened two months ago, we were closed for almost five months. Uh, we did make the move. I switched the restaurant into the bar space and vice versa because of, um, really the sheer amount of, of size and knowing that social distancing was not going away anytime soon. It's really turned out for the best. The, um, the switch has, uh, just from a, functionality and long-term standpoint. I think it's really going to benefit us. But um, what's amazing is I, I, you know, I used to have 77 staff members and I, uh, that's how many people I laid off on March 17th, which was horrible. Um, that doesn't even speak to the amount of, you know, peripheral uh, chain people that, that all of that, you know, affected our milk supplier and our distributors and our farmers. Um, but I, right now, um, we've hired back, I think I'm at 58 and I'm only open for eight shifts a week. I used to be open for 12. I, I, and I can't get people to come through the door. So that's really been a struggle that, um, I wasn't anticipating. I, I really kind of felt that we would, um, have the opposite problem, more people needing to work, um, rather than less. But that being said, um, scheduling is a huge part of our week. It is, it, it takes up a lot of time. I, um, our assistant general manager does the schedule and then, you know, we, my, uh, my partner, Joey and I check it and look at it. Um, and it's, it's just challenging. Um, the schedule is always challenging people, especially our staff. Have, I mean, I'm sure like every other staff has a lot of needs and they have a lot of things going on. We obviously are in a college town, so people have school and other commitments. Um, 
So juggling all of that is a, a time investment <laughs> and a labor of love, I would say. Um, well, I hope somehow Schedulefly makes it a little bit easier for y'all. Uh, oh, absolutely. It never, is um, um, a super great tool. I like, uh, well, there's a lot of things I like about it, but in particular, like the report that I was just checking, it's really helpful to keep track of how, when you have a suspicion that someone keeps on putting up a lot of shifts, like something might be going on, or maybe how we're scheduling them is not working for them. Um, it's so helpful to be able to go and see that history and to see it, you know, you know, how you have it laid out. Like this person has requested off 58 times in the last year. And you're like, Hmm, maybe we should not put them on Sundays and <laughs> yeah, right. don't want to work on Sundays. Well, um, so for all of those different things, it's an awesome tool. Um, and we are on it a lot. Um, are, okay. So, but you had 77 and now you're not able to get people to, you're not able to find people like, is it, are you, how are you trying to find people to work there the same way y'all always have or like yeah I, I mean that that is definitely could be an ingredient in the in the problem um is that we've mostly put it out on social media and then word of mouth uh but oxford's also a really small town so uh it's not like we have a a really large um pool of, of people to be pulling from anyways uh it's not so much a problem to find front of the house people, um, even though that is still a struggle. It's really, really hard to find um, talented cooks, people who know their way around a kitchen, who have some level of experience. And you know, to be a, a to be a cook in a kitchen, you gotta you gotta really know what you're doing, and you have to want to do it and enjoy doing it. Otherwise, that's never a good recipe. Um, and finding that is here is really really challenging especially right now um yeah the, you've got to have you have to have a certain amount of experience especially to cook high-end food like what y'all i mean you just you have quality ingredients and uh you know healthy yeah. food um so can't teach you can't teach that i guess right i mean you have to have a, at least some experience like how much experience do you need we we do bring on people who don't have any experience um, and they will come up through the kitchen and in a lot of ways that's amazing because we can, um, you know, you're not, you're not trying to take out bad habits, but hopefully you're creating and instilling good habits and professional habits and, um, and hopefully driving whatever brought them through the door in the first place, uh, nurturing that, that passion or interest that they have. So we do do that, but it's, um, generally it's a long process. And, um, for some of the roles that we have, like our, um, you know, saute cooks and, and stuff, that's too hard. It, it takes a while to get to that place. So if you have experience, you could come and you could learn that position. If you have no experience, you're going to start out. Um, you're probably going to start out washing dishes and then you're going to move to the pantry position and prep and, and all of that as you um, take that all in and, and move along in that way. So for us right now, anybody out there watching, we're looking for experienced line cooks. <laughs> we're looking for experienced saute. Uh, that's the hardest um, 
yeah. position in, in our uh, spot and pizza too. So our, you know, our, we have wood fired pizza ovens. Um, that's a big part of what we do. And that is a very specific skill. Uh, and it can be, it can be taught and learned, but it does take time. Uh, and, and, you know, just a little bit of finesse, which um, really comes with repetition and doing it over and over again. But those are the, the hard spots for us. This may be a random question, but does uh, uh, University of Mississippi have a entrepreneurship program? They have um, they have an MBA program. They have a hospitality program. Oh, they do. Okay. Um, they do, but uh, you know we've been a little bit in touch with them over time, um, but not in as much touch as one would expect. And, and you're reminding me that I probably need to reach out to them more frequently. Uh, I don't know, you know, enrollment also right now is really down, um, as I'm sure it is in yeah. colleges and universities across the country um, and the world, I suppose. So uh, it's, I'm sure that that's also part of what's driving this um, hard spot for us is that there's just not as many people here in town. Yeah, it seems like the, um, gosh, if you have a, somebody in that hospitality program, is the pitch like, hey, even though you may not have planned to be a cook, come cook, we'll teach you how the restaurant, you know, like trade-off is you, you make mm -hmm. some money, but you will learn how the restaurant business really works and how to run a restaurant. I always find that to be, you know, it's great to, and this is true with like almost anything, you go to college and you learn in theory how things work. I'm sure you learn a ton about that in the hospitality, but boy, in the going and doing, it's just, you Next know, level. really going to understand how a restaurant works until you run a restaurant. Um, sure. No matter what your level of education may be. Um, and every restaurant like, is different. Every, every system is different. Even us making this move, you know, the kitchen is to totally and completely different from the teeny little postage stamp that we had um, at the original St. Leo building. The front of the house is different because it's so much bigger and um, the facility in general is so much better, but we're still, I mean, we've only really been functioning out of there for eight weeks and we're definitely working out all of the kinks um, all the time. You know, sometimes when you have something that's so small, there's, there's just so many fewer options. So it's written for you uh, the way that you have to make it happen. And when you have more space, um, that's definitely one of the new challenges that we've been facing, which is like, all right, what's the best use of this space? How do you make it the most um, streamlined and efficient and, uh, you know, accessible? Um, all of those, all of those fun problems that we like to solve. Um, you know, you know, Ari Weinswig, uh, who has Zingerman's um, in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. I know of them. I, you're, you're not the first <laughs> You're not even like the eighth or tenth person I think that's that's mentioned them. They I re, almost makes me want to go there. Like in just, oh, I mean, they're amazing. He's amazing. Um, they're what, whole, why? Like, what's so? What are they doing that's so unique and special there? I don't know much about them. I just keep hearing about them. Oh, uh, I, I. That is a broad question. I that I will attempt to answer. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, just to say, you know, they have. 12 laws of, of, of great business. And, um, you know, one of them is, uh, you know, with more success, you get better problems. Um, and that's, 
better better problems. There's always problems, but they, they're better problems uh, all the time. And I guess that's what I'm referring to when I'm talking about, like, now you have space and you're like, okay, what do I do with it? Um, I will tell you that. So the year that I opened St. Leo 2016, I guess it must've been, uh, yeah, that fall of 2016, I met this man and, um, his partner sitting at table three at the original St. Leo struck up a conversation with them, uh, had a lot to say and a lot in common and just a natural connection. That was Ari um, and his partner, Tammy, uh, who is also from the San Francisco Bay Area, where I'm from. And he is just an incredibly generous spirit. And we've had a a friendship and uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people consider him a mentor uh, in some way, shape or form, but I definitely do. Um, And so then I started reading his books. He's written um, a lot of books on business and, um, and I've been out to see Zingerman's and do one of their Zing train uh, experiences. And we've had them come and do a training for our leaders and they've been, I guess, at it since 1982, I think is when they opened their deli and their business is very much focused on the people and their company culture. And uh, I think they're a great example of people who do the right thing. Um, it generates positivity and success on many, many levels, mm-hmm. I would say. But yeah. highly recommend his books. Um, and he also does little pamphlets. I'm looking around because I probably have one within arm's reach. It's like just a little farther over there. Um, but they, uh, he does pamphlets that you can read. So you don't necessarily have to go into the whole, um, big book, but he's, uh, just puts to words, uh, put, puts into words really well. I think what a lot of entrepreneurs are seeking out to do and to create, um, no matter what your, your chosen profession is. Yeah, he knows what's worked and he's able to communicate it and articulate it really well, which sometimes there's a disconnect uh, with that stuff. You know how to do it, but you don't know how to teach it. Um, Well, but, you know, it's interesting because I I hear about him and I hear, you know, I hear about Danny Meyer and I've I've read Setting the Table and these things are always, it's always about people, right? Like it's always about doing the right thing, treating people well, being authentic, being ge- genuinely caring about whether it's the customer, the employee, the investor, whatever it is. It's, it's, I don't see their stuff. I, I don't know Zingerman stuff, so I may be wrong here and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I typically don't see people like that that have found this amazing level of success in such a tough industry. I don't tend to see them focusing a lot about the numbers and the bottom line and things like that that it seems like that tends to be more of the byproduct of doing things right than you have the success kind of comes along with that is that fair to say would you agree with that you know i i mean one of i think those zingerman's three principles one of them is great finance because without great finance you fail that is literally a direct quote from from them so what does that mean i i think that they do pay attention and they are they they practice open book finance, so everyone in the company can see everything that's going on. 
Um, I think that there's a lot of accountability that's taught across the board from the moment you walk in as an employee. I've never been an employee there, but that is my impression of what is what is happening. And so I think that they go hand in hand, but I wouldn't say that, um, I would definitely say that the emphasis being on people and people's experience and people's happiness quotient in that whole, um, you know, in that setting is, is what they realize really drives the, the bottom line. Ah, I love that <laughs> open, open book finance. So there you're really, that helps, but that may, but that's because you want to provide your people um, a chance to learn, a chance to understand, a chance to realize why decisions are made. Like sometimes you don't, there's a disconnect between why a tough decision might have to be made and, you know, a, a team of people who don't really get it. But, but then when you see, well, look at the, the numbers, the numbers kind of tell the story. Um, okay. Yeah. That's That's yeah. A, what a uh, neat uh, organization. I want to learn. I'm, what's what, Okay. So you said he's written a lot of books. Which one would you recommend to start with, if any? I think his first one, which is building a great business. Building a great business. Hold on. I'm, 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 not, I'm not even leaving the screen. Look literally right here. Don't mind my sweat hands. Uh, Building a great business. Okay. I think that's, yeah, that is, the, it's the, it's the number one. Uh, it's, um, they're great. They're great reads. Um, I like how it's building a great business, not, not building a great restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they have, I think they have 13 different restaurants now or not restaurants, but businesses with under the umbrella of food. Um, but from, you know, coffee to candy to baking to all of those things. Plus they come, it sounds like they, they have, a, do they have a training facility? I mean, you said they came in, in mm -hmm. also, is that part of their, they have a business of, of coaching yeah. principles? Yeah, they do. Um, the whole, I look at, I look at places like that and I'm like, that is to me aspirational. And I, and I would put Danny Meyer in that entire category, in that, you know, category 100%. I think they're very much uh, aligned and, um, you know, in tune with really what's happening with the way that businesses need to be structured across the board. Um, yeah. You know, like you were saying, not, it's not restaurant specific. It's really um, for any industry out there that can take those principles and run with them. You can learn so much from setting the table. I've, I've recommended to friends of mine that, you know, most I run around with a lot of uh, my buddies are entrepreneurs, but they're in different mm. industries. And, uh, but I've recommended that book to a few of them just because the principles on that are just, I mean, they're applicable almost anywhere. If you take the same principles of how you treat your customers and customer service, and all those things and focus, it doesn't matter what business you're in you'll get an advantage because customer service is so crappy these days by and large. Like people are wild when you just do what, what we might consider the basic stuff, you know, the yeah. stuff you're like, well, of course we do that. And people are blown away. Um, so, uh, well, I'm interested in your, this is an interesting challenge right now with, you've got this great restaurant, this great reputation, this great brand, this great town city. You can't find people to cook. Um, really can't you know it's um it's amazing because uh you know it is all about the people and the people are the most challenging part because 
every person who we employ has a full life and dreams and ambitions and needs of their own. And I think that the pandemic has brought I think a lot of clarity to people uh, and whether that clarity means insecurity um, or needing to change directions or um, for some people, I think that it's, it's shed light on how they want to live their lives in really positive ways and um, is exciting and, and bringing about change for them in that way. But that's, it, that's part of what I think has been really hard is that um, there's been sort of like internal resets of mm. of taking account of what really matters and and what you need um and so try, at least for me i feel like i'm really trying to meet my people there now and and that is it's hard uh, you know i mean i don't know maybe i'm getting too far <laughs> too too oh, far. i love this this is well this is the core this is the crux of the whole thing um i wonder I mean, the, so like the people that cooked before they, and some of these folks may have just said, look, I'm making more, you know, with, I don't know how this works where y'all are, but I know in a lot of places people were able to make more just by taking the unemployment, but that ran out. Like I kind of thought that after that was done, people would be desperately looking for jobs. Uh, so that's what I thought as well. I mean, that's the one thing that I thought at the end of this week, when I, so we closed in March and when I made the decision to switch locations, um, when I figured out that we were going to survive, first of all, and that was a rough couple of weeks trying to figure out whether we really were going to make it through and going to be able to see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. I made the decision not to reopen until August and to make the switch because I knew that the good unemployment, Mississippi has really terrible um, unemployment benefits just on its own. Uh, but with the federal assistance, it, the unemployment was so good that I was like, there's, you know, there's no reason that we should put people in danger and, you know, disable yeah. them from taking that um, aid at a time like this, because we really don't know what's going to happen. And of course, also, you know, Oxford is really, um, slow during the summer anyways. So it worked out well to coordinate the switch of the restaurant, which took some doing, um, with that. And yeah, like I said, I mean, I really thought that after that unemployment ran out, um, that more people would be looking, um, and to be fair, you know, the majority of our people came back. Some of the people that we lost decided to move back to Florida, um, decided to go back to school, decided to, you know, make a bigger life change than, um, and those were like, for us, those were part of our like really solid back of the house team. So we lost a few of them. Um, and I think those are what you hear me saying, I don't have anybody coming through the door. I, I'm looking to replace people that were um, skilled and, and talented and that, and that part is, um, I don't know where they are. I don't mm. know where they are, but I'm sending out my vibes. And if you see this here, <laughs> Oxford has a great lifestyle, really great schools for your kids. Um, <laughs> all of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a group, maybe people were, yeah, if they've moved away, maybe people will move there. I mean, people are probably moving more than ever just in general. Now, a lot of them are moving out of the big cities and 
Um, have you all seen an influx? I mean, I know we have here in Charlotte or in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh, we've had a lot of people moving to this area in the last few months that were, are coming from New York and the Northeast. And uh, are you all seeing that as well in Oxford? You no, know, uh, I think that the housing market, the, the, like in terms of sales has been pretty strong, but I personally haven't seen it. I don't know um, off the, like off the top of my head of anybody who's moved to specifically get out uh, of a big city, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening. I just, personally have had my, you know, my head down trying to get stuff done. So I haven't, I haven't noticed that um, specifically, but yeah, the, uh, no, I, I mean, I was just listening to NPR yesterday. The, um, I mean, I think from 1983 is the last time that New York has seen, uh, you know, like open, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the availability rate, um, the, uh, uh, like the open amount of apartments and stuff hasn't been there for that many years, for 40 years, almost 35 years. People are moving out. Um, this accelerated, I think it was already happening, but this really accelerated it. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, I hope that, um, I mean, if you're listening, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you my pitch for why people should come work for you. Uh, but in general, and I'll tell it's, it's something that, um, my, my daughter is 16 and she just applied for her first, um, job at a, uh, at Waxhaw. We're, we're in Waxhaw. So we're South of Charlotte. We're in a little town called Waxhaw. And, um, she applied at Waxhaw Candle Company. And I think actually in a little bit, she's going to secretly have me on speakerphone when they call her back to just like, in case she freezes up or whatever I can like I've written her a note card of things like she wants to be thinking about asking and saying this has a point I promise so but I eventually not yet I don't think she's quite old enough yet but eventually would really like her to work for an independent restaurant and I want all my kids to work for independent restaurants I even wrote a blog post about this about five or six years ago about why I want them to work for an independent restaurant one day and here it is uh if you when you go work for an independent restaurant, you are working first of all, for somebody that is a member of your community, some owner that has poured time, energy, love, care, passion, intention, thought into your community. Uh, restaurants are the first place we go. Like if we're going for a school drive or, you know, anything where we're trying to raise money, who do we call the local restaurant? You know, where do we go to celebrate some, some great event, the local restaurant, where do we go to sell or you know, maybe to mourn a, a loss as a family and we bring family together. We go to our favorite local independent restaurant. When we think about great cities and great towns, like the first thing you think of, if you go, well, why is Oxford great? Well, they got great restaurants. They got, you know, great music, great university. I'm like, it's always restaurants are a part of that. And what I love about independent restaurants, and this is restaurants in general, but particularly independent ones are like, it's this mix of like all these people from all these socioeconomic backgrounds and races and, and different lifestyle, like all these things coming together. It's like the one place where, uh, it, it really, while you like for your, your sous chef, you need experience and things like that to work in a restaurant. You, it doesn't matter where you went to college or what you've done, but if you're willing to show up, work hard, be a part of a team, be a good team member, take care of your customers, man, like the restaurant industry is like the most forgiving and 
industry with open arms of going like, and maybe you've screwed up in the past. You've had substance abuse, but whatever it is, like yeah. I see your industry as one that embraces people and, and, and helps foster their growth. And you even mentioned like you're sitting there thinking about, you know, like people that are coming to work for you that have other dreams, but maybe this is a, a, a you know, a conduit between where they are and where they want to be. But it, it's an amazing place. It's like, if you really want to like, um, experience the, the true melting pot that we call America, whatever, like, man, the restaurants are like, that's where you do it. So I want my kids to do that because, you know, it, it just give not only that I'm convinced cause I don't think I could run a restaurant cause I could, I'd crack. Like I can't handle all the stuff y'all put out fires constantly. So I feel like if you can like go work for a really good, well-run independent restaurant, like St. Leo, like Zingerman's, like Danny Myers places or so many of the places that we're lucky to serve. You, you're going to learn like so many transferable skills. It's the same reason that why that book is, you know, how to build a great business, because all these things you can you would learn there. You're, you can take anywhere. I mean, anywhere without question. Um, the soft skills that you build on the floor of a restaurant or, you know, on the floor in the back, um, the the deeply interpersonal workings of how you have to read people, communicate to people. It is so valuable. And I, so I, I, I totally second everything that you just yeah. said. Because it's, it's really, really true. I mean, that's the reason I came back to restaurants is it was my first job when I was 16. I was a hostess at a restaurant in, in uh, Tiburon, California. And um, I was like, I, I loved the pace of it. I loved the energy of it. I love that I met people and made friends of, of all ages, ranges, yep. um, you know, all across the board. So, yeah. And, you know, I think we employ more single um, moms than any other industry in America. I think that we, yeah. um, you know, first of all, we employ like 11.2 billion people or something i'm mean, okay not maybe not billion, but it's amazing what what we what we give to um and and the the role that restaurants have in in communities super important it's it's very important okay so we're not surprisingly aligned there now i'll make my pitch for working for you because i know you and i know you're a good person I know you're authentic and genuine because I've talked to you plenty of times offline where we're not recording something for a larger audience. And uh, I think you're a, a person who has a lot of passion for what you do and for your community and for the people you serve and for the people that work for you. So uh, if you send this over to the university, there's my pitch for working for. And we provide good jobs. Uh, I mean, you know, that's, that's what really the bottom line is. Um, and I'm so proud that we provide good paying jobs. We really do. And I'm not the only one in town who does. There's other places too, but I'm just right. saying restaurants in general. Um, you know, it is hard work, but you're, you, you see the fruits of, of that. Um, and especially now, you know, so many things are uh, not operating like they used to. Um, so if you aren't in like able to work from home, it's, it's a viable option um, for good income. Um, tell me about the, uh, the Southern Foodways Alliance, which is there in Oxford. Um, just like, tell me, tell our, like, tell people about it. What do you, what, what's, what do you like about that organization and why do they exist? 
So um, the Southern Foodways Alliance is based out of the University of Mississippi, and it is um, its program is to study um, Southern foodways and food culture as it pertains to the South, um, which of course extends way farther out. Uh, they've been around for a very long time. Um, I, I don't know exactly how many years. Uh, usually, actually, in October uh, each year, they have their uh, weekend, the where SFA holds its uh, fall symposium here in Oxford, and that's been sad. It's been virtual this year, um, which is great, and I think the virtual aspect has been uh, really pretty cool and accessible. But um, you know, we're just sad that what one weekend out of the year people from all over the place would come to uh really deep dive into one specific theme that they would pick you know every every year uh and you know i think um last year was about labor um and like food labor and, and what that means i'm not exactly sure what this year's uh virtual symposium was based on but for Oxford, it was uh, amazing. All of these people come from all over the country um, and really dive in um, to looking at foodways uh, and of course meeting and connecting. And that's how I met Ari. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so there's- that's why he was there. I meant to ask you why he was- that It was in October of 2016 that, that they were here for, um, for the SFA weekend. And I hope, I hope that SFA has, uh, you know, a, a 2021 symposium. Um, I'm also knocking on wood. I, I can't tell you, I, my, my knocker is like rubbing, is, is, is getting worn down because I just keep on knocking on wood and <laughs> hoping that, that 2020 can get, get over with. But, um, hopefully, that. relatively, uh, you know, no more uh, massive drama happening in 2020. 2021, it's going to be a great year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. I <laughs> guess like <laughs> nothing surprises you now, you know, uh, Man, it's been a rough one. It's been a rough one, but it's hopefully, you know, in a lot of ways it's, it's, uh, well, you mentioned it. It's helped a lot of us kind of, it forced you to stop and reset and rethink and revisit what's, what's important to you. What were you caught up in? Like, just because you're just, going so fast all the time that like, maybe that's not what I want to do in life or be in life or whatever it is. Uh, it's obvious. It's forced so many businesses to um, dig deep and get super creative and thoughtful and, and uh, probably, you know, unfortunately some won't make it through. And then maybe the ones that do will come out even better and stronger in a lot of ways. Uh, so it's like, you don't welcome this stuff by any means. You don't want it, but it's like, if you can't help it, you can't change it. You got to find ways to leverage it to grow um, and be better. And uh, that's yeah. true in business and life and everything, of course. But um, I do think that we'll see a lot of innovation coming out of this. Um, and I, I, I know personally that, you know, at least there's a little part of me that feels now like, okay, I've been through the worst. And I say that because, I mean, I laid off every employee I had and closed without knowing that we were going to reopen. And, um, you know, everything could always get worse, of course. But I'm like, if, if we can move through that and, um, 
you know, I mean, man, talk about just resetting your priorities and being like, nope, not doing that. Okay. Yes. Focusing on this. Uh, and none of that happens overnight, you know, even eight weeks in it's natural. I, I see our, a lot of ways we are slipping back into some old habits and I'm like, Oh no, 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 you know, no, we're going to, we got to 2020 has been teaching us. We can't, we're, we're not going to go, we're not going to go back there. So, um, yeah, 2020, it's one for the books, I guess we should say, because it is going to spur great innovation. It's going to, for it has forced people to operate leaner, smoother, um, you know, just you got to get on top of your game. Yes. Uh, I, I want to let you go. I know you have another meeting here in a little bit, but I do want to ask you uh, about something you and I have discussed before, but you're involved with... Um, more than one, uh, I believe, um, groups of successful um, female entrepreneurs or entre or business owners or restaurant owners. What are some of those groups? And uh, like, if you were speaking to you know other uh, women that own businesses or own restaurants, like what are some of the ones you really have learned a lot from and would recommend people check out? So I was fortunate enough to be a part of the 2018 Women in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program through the James Beard Foundation. And um, I will tell you that that group of, I believe there was 20 of us uh, women across the country who all own um, food related businesses. That group has been totally monumental for me. Um, I, we are all still in contact. We Zoom call. We um, have a group page that we message and, and rely on advice and just throwing things out there. Sometimes it's just sympathizing, moving through this. Other times it's like, Hey, who's your packaging person? Um, Hey, how did you connect, you know, X to Y? Um, I reached out on our Facebook message today and said, Hey, how have you streamlined your training programs and your onboarding? Um, do you guys have anything that has worked really well for you? So out of those women, there are so many amazing ones to be named. Um, my friend, um, Carrie Crow has melt ice creams in Fort Worth, uh, um, Texas. And my friend Joanna Kirkendall has, um, a pleasantry in Cincinnati. And also she has a, a, a wine bar and, and coffee, uh, bar as well. Um, Daniela Leone has, um, a breadfruit and rum bar in Arizona. And she also just launched a Big Marble Organics, which is an amazing um, ginger beer line, uh, totally sustainable, um, organic and fair trade and delicious. She's based out of Phoenix, highly recommend. Um, I'm like, oh, I wish I could grab one right now because she sent me a, a box of them and they're they're so good. Kelly Fields in New Orleans, Willa Jean, um, I'm, I'm missing so many of them because they're all over. Um, Ping Ho is in Detroit, Michigan. She has Ho and the Royce. Uh, amazing people running great organizations and companies. And um, I'm very humbled to be in their uh, presence because I just learned so much from them. Oh, Winston-Salem. Um, my friend Claire Calvin has the porch and um, the Cantina and Alma Mexicana, I believe is, is her other one. Um, they're all weathering the storm. They're all, you know, getting through it. Uh, and it's, 
having finding my biggest piece of advice for anybody really and I give this advice to myself but whenever you're in something running a business of whatever kind you got to surround yourself by people who are having somewhat similar experiences because it just really really helps um to you know uh bounce ideas off of and talk about industry specific things that come up and, and um cultivate friendships and relationships and all of that it's good stuff so well, tell yeah. tell your friend in winston-salem uh if she likes coffee to go check out known coffee k-n-o-w-n known coffee uh okay, i will I that's uh sean scott uh, he's been on this uh series and he's been he was in our second book and he moved up from miami literally like moved he and his wife and his two children moved up right in the middle of the pandemic and uh opened up a, he had a successful coffee uh uh group down in miami called subculture and i can't it, you know he had partners it had gotten big you know you start having differences of opinion whatever so he just he moved and went to salem he started known coffee right in the middle of this super dude knows his stuff been in the coffee business for 20 years or something like that. So tell her oh, to check it out. Yeah, you need to, um, I, I need to connect you with them. They might, uh, you know, you never know. First of all, some of them probably use Schedule Fly, maybe. Well, Willa Dean does. I know that for sure because um, I've sent them some hats before. Um, I, I, I don't know about the other ones. Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, tell them uh, we're here scheduling. Yeah. I'll, I'll make a pitch for that if they want scheduling. <laughs> We'll take good care of them. <laughs> um, yes, you will. Yes, you will. Well, it's really good to see you. Um, nice to see you in person. Usually we're just talking over the phone. So good to see your face and take it easy. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Count on it. It's good to see you. Y'all okay. take care. Tell your team hello. And uh, I'll get some more hats and some uh, headbands your way. We just got some fly headbands. They all love it. They all, all love it. it. <laughs> um, all right. We'll see you soon, Will. See ya. Bye. Thanks.